You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. The guy was probably paid millions of dollars to stand in front of the board and give that research and say, we need to react as a gardening supply business. We need to react to what's going on in our current culture. How much more as a church can we offer genuine relationship? Can we offer genuine community? Not just with each other, but the one that allows it, the one that created us, the one that gives us purpose, the one that has invented relationship. God, how do we respond? And that's what the last, the last week and this morning is about. How do we respond to what is going on? If Yates can respond... How does Burley Heads Church of Christ respond? Because we can grow so much more than a garden. I love that line. If you, were missed, if you weren't here last week, um, that's okay. Uh, you can grab a CD off John at the back. Um, or we're now, if you're internet savvy, uh, we've now got our stuff online on iTunes under the podcast, Burley Church or Burley Church of Christ. And so you can go back and have a listen. Um, don't normally... It just it felt like an important service last week. All services are important, but we actually spent some time, if you weren't with us, uh, repenting, um, starting from that saying, look, Lord, we want to grow our roots deep. And we had this image of a a fruit tree um, with all this beautiful fruit, but I kind of, as we looked through the scripture, talked about the fact that, look, I'll be honest, if we had 600 people rock up next week, would we be ready for them? Would we know what to do with them? Or they'd just walk out the door. We need to have deep, deep roots found in Christ and we need to be a bit vulnerable with each other. And so I talked about some of the hurt that's gone on at every church. But we're not every church, we're this church. And so we talked about some of the hurt and pain that's gone on and talked about repenting from that. So please, I felt like it was a marker point in our church. And so if you, um, if you haven't heard it, please make some time. It was long. There was a lot of information But when you're talking about vision and where we're heading, I can't just go off my opinion. (laughs) And so I brought a lot of research and a lot of scripture to base where I believe culture is asking, pleading with us to respond with. And so this morning, this morning, if we've talked about the soil, the deep roots, then I want to speak about what what do you then do with that? If you get the soil, if your roots are deep, what do we build? What's our next move? What do we aim at? If we're a bicycle store or factory, we make bikes. If we're a surfboard factory, we make surfboards. There's a few of you that got it already. <laughs> what does a church make? What does a church grow? Because what happens is, and I'll just grab my pen, and I'm sorry it's a bit light, but what, what happens is, We're going along life. Please excuse my drawing. This may be the last time and first time you'll see me. But we're heading along and most of us in this room will know, and if you don't know, please come and ask us and find out, you encounter Jesus. Everything changes. You give your life to Jesus. It's fantastic. It's, it's beautiful. It might, for you, it might have happened at a, a gospel service or a speaker or just uh, with a friend. You give your life to Jesus. 
And then sometimes we spend a lot of time talking about this part and we spend a lot of time talking about this part and so we should. But then what now? What do you do? Just hang out (laughs) until God hopefully comes back sooner than later? What do you do this side of that? This is the very question they were asking at 68 AD. 68 years after Jesus left, um, after he ascended into the heavens, after his followers are starting to get martyred or pass away, they're saying 70 years in, what do, we, what do we do? We thought he'd come back by now. What do we do? And they let, let a heap of teaching come in. They, let, they turn to the world and let worldly wisdom come in. And so Peter, who's still alive at that point, writes a letter to address them. Luckily, I don't have to make something up. Peter tells them what their responsibility is this side. What we're meant to do this side. Let me read this to you. 2 Peter, verse 1, 3 to 11, if you've got your Bibles here. 2 Peter 1, 3 to 11. If you don't have your Bibles here, I'd love for you to copy it down and reflect on this this week. As Peter, this whole book is addressing what we do now. <clears throat> what do we build Let me read. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. I'll stop there. Peter reminds them basically what happened here. (laughs) So don't forget what has happened in your lives. Don't forget, I love that line, you are partakers of the divine nature. You're not called to create comfortable little religious communities. You actually have, you're partakers, you're actually involved. actually have a responsibility actually like you to build something of eternal value. You actually have God with you. You're not called to just wait. Not even called to, there's no even great call, it's called to love God and love others, but it's not even a call to just particularly just be a nice, good person and just wait it out. There's a powerful call here. And let me, let me keep going. And this is what he says. For this very reason... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice, I love that word, practice these qualities, you will never fall. 
Peter outlines a process, kind of what we spoke about last week. He speaks about an internal process that goes on. Once you hit this line, something starts to change. Something starts to fall away. The flesh, we're not perfect, never perfect, (laughs) but something starts. If you want an old-timey word, sanctification. That's the word for it, sanctification. A lot of books now call it spiritual form, transformation or spiritual formation in Christ. It's what we discussed last week. It's the act of being a disciple, letting God change us, letting us become more like Jesus, letting us follow Jesus. And look where the process ends. Look where the goal, the goal marks are. Brotherly affection and love. In this process, there is a call, not just to inner work ourselves to look more like Jesus, but we're meant to reach out to others around us, the church, and help each other do the same. Brotherly affection and love. It's a team thing. (laughs) Equip, encourage, spur, run this race These are words that Paul uses to describe this part of this life. Get beside each other. Build into each other. So this this is the benchmark. To make disciples. This is what we build. If we're a bicycle factory, we build bikes. If we're a church, we make disciples. Sounds exactly like what Jesus asked us to do in the reading because we know he did. Go and make disciples. In fact, Peter is so harsh in this verse. He says, if you're not going through this process, these aren't my words, this is scripture, if you're, if you're not being a disciple, if you're not seeking to grow, if you're not changing, reflecting, spurring others on with you, if you're not imparting this onto your brother or sister, he says you're being unfruitful and ineffective. And he doesn't say in what? It's a generalised. He's saying in life, you're pretty much unfruitful or ineffective if this is not where your benchmark lies. Again, harsh, not my words. Peter, telling this church in 70 AD, guys, if your benchmark, if you don't see that you're not here just to wait, you're here to make disciples. So discipleship is the benchmark. I like this word. I heard this phrase recently in a podcast and it stuck with me because I think it has much more of an Australian apprentices of Jesus. I love that. There's no pride in calling yourself an apprentice. It's I'm apprentice of Jesus. At any age, I sit at his feet and I'm learning off of him. You may be sitting there and you're saying, cool story, Steve. (laughs) We know been around the church a while, we know the Great Commission. And it does seem obvious. However, a lot of Christian thinkers in this space, and I don't have the time, but I'm happy to lend the books out, the readings, the thoughts, um, happy to cite them, happy to give them out to anyone that's interested in reading more about this. But pinpoint the slight move away from this benchmark as the reason the churches in the West position has declined. Just like the church in Peter's time, the church, not even talking about this church, globally, 
or actually not globally, just the West. China's doing all right. <laughs> the West adopt worldly benchmarks and teachings. And I'd like to spend a moment this morning just listing three of these marks that have called Christmas trees so we can better understand where we're not heading. And so this is where you get to see... No? This is where you get to see my amazing drawing. Get excited. Who can tell me what these are? That's probably the hardest thing, the hardest test today. They're Christmas trees. I've called these three things Christmas trees. Most of these thinkers are highlighting that these three things that we can, that can knock us off track when it turn, comes to making disciples. They're three benchmarks. Not evil things, actually. But when they're the main thing, it leads to some stuff we'll talk about. So we've got bucks, and I apologise for the middle one. If Aria was here, she's lucky she's in Sunday school, she'd say, no toilet talk, Daddy. That's what she'd say to me. So I'd be in trouble and I'd have to apologise. So I apologise for the toilet talk. But bucks, bums and buildings. They start with B. It just suited. Bucks, buildings and bums. There's nothing wrong with having money as a church. Money is the tool in which stuff runs and we can make disciples and do more mission. Nothing wrong with people. Healthy things grow. That's good. Nothing wrong with buildings. And when I say buildings, I mean programs and running things because we're looking at some building projects here as a church. There's nothing wrong with that. These things are good things. But they are the byproducts of the main benchmark. When they are the benchmark, when they are the end goal or the focus or the way you rate your church, then it pushes the community towards the three C's. And let me me keep going with this. If you have bucks, it pushes you towards consumerism. Mike Breen wrote a, a guy that pastors multiple churches in the UK or has planted multiple churches calls consumerism, celebrity and competition the three things that are killing the church. So let me explain consumerism. While having the focus only of bucks, this is what happens. You stop being disciples of Jesus and you be disciples of the money or consumerism. This is where the prosperity doctrine creeps in. And suddenly, rather than talking about Jesus and the sacrifice he made, you start talking about what you can get for following Jesus. He becomes like a genie. If you say this the right way, you'll get this. It's not the way Jesus works. He's our God. He's our king. He's not an ATM. You start seeing church as a product to be sold. And people are sick of being sold things in 2017. Jesus is not a, church is not a lemon of a car or a building we're trying to sell. He's our God. He's our hope. And what you do if you aim at that, you breed a community that says stuff like this. I want. If it's about me, if it's about what I can consume, if it's about going into my cinema and choosing the movie I want, you say, I want this style. I want more of this whatever it be, hymns, contemporary, both sides. I want, I want, I want. Suddenly you don't hear, I serve, I sacrifice, I worship, I pray, I give. You get consumerism. 
Then if it's about bums, if our focus church is about how many did you get? How many people were there? How many people were we getting on a Sunday? If that's what it's about, if that's the questions that are totally important. And we want more people knowing Jesus, I've put, of course. Amen. But if that's the benchmark, if that's the aim, then suddenly it becomes about who you can get in a room on Sunday. And that's not discipleship. It breeds celebrity. One guy, two guys, a whole team that entertain people, give motivational talks and religious entertainment for people's dose on a Sunday. Because that's what hooks people in. Celebrity, consumerism. Francis Chan, if you've read in his books, he was the number one seller for a while there. He wrote a book called Crazy Love. It's incredible. He was a mega church pastor in America. Five to 10,000 people would come and he said this. Each week, before he left, by the way, his mega church and started some home churches, he said, five to 10,000 people would come hear me use my gift every Sunday, yet they'd never find or use or grow their own. This is not the benchmark. Jesus often withdrew from crowds. He had moments of feeding them all. He had moments of teaching them all on the mountain. But in Matthew 16, we actually see him get frustrated at this very thing. They come up to him in Matthew 16 and they say, Jesus, do the thing where you fed us all. Jesus, catch more fish with gold coins in their mouths. Jesus, there's many more of us in the world that are sick. Heal us all. That's the type of thing they're saying, do more. Prove to us who you are. Entertain us. Celebrity Jesus. This is the point he says, take up your cross. This is the point he says, the only sign you'll get is the sign of Jonah, which is him foretelling that he will die and, and rise again. Because that's what you'll get. He actually calls them an evil generation. That's what you'll get. Do you know what happens shortly after? If you read the chapters after, they start to leave. He wasn't about just pleasing the crowds. He was about discipleship. Lastly, if it's building, and I'm talking building, but I'm talking programs, I'm talking just things we we run as a church. What what starts to happen is you look at the church down the road with six campuses, a popping youth ministry and a thousand youth. And you think, and I don't mean this in a bad way, hear me right church, you start to think, oh we just care for an ageing population and care for the needs of the disadvantaged. And they've got 2,000 people, a popping youth ministry, multiple campuses. You start to compare. Breeds competition. Buildings and... Pro- we run this. We do this. Honestly, and I'm actually going to talk about churches because that would be competition, but do you think the church down the road with 2,000 people, with multiple services, and I could be wrong but do you think they care for those 50 plus? Some of them would, but serious questions, do you think some of these ones that are popping care about anyone post that age? Do you think they would want to run the cheapest op shop in, (laughs) well, I could see Australia, but let's go Queensland. That's what competition does. I love that we do that, by the way. That's fantastic. Do you think they would bother to do a food bank? 
They might. But when your benchmark is buildings, bucks and bums, we end up building, and this is where it comes to, we end up building audience, consumers, watchers. And guess why I call them Christmas trees? Because if we aim at this church, it's good to have these things. These are great byproducts. Don't hear me hear any of this is evil. We are building projects. I want more people at our church. And we want more money about doing mission. But if these are the aims, we build Christmas trees. And Christmas trees look phenomenal at seasonal time, at Christmas time. Christmas trees look amazing on a Sunday. But one small wind... One small fire, and they're hollow and dead. And unfortunately, we have seen, if you've kept track of the global or the Western church, in the last few years, churches have crumbled because they're celebrity pastors. The largest church in America, or the fastest growing church in America, number one podcasted church in America, multiple campuses, last year or a couple of years ago, fell apart because the senior pastor did some things that weren't even that inappropriate, just enough that it was all built on him. There was no church the next week. Done. Heaps of churches. We hear the churches about this, this pastor having an affair. That church is done when it's based on celebrity. When you breed competition, you're constantly scared of other churches instead of looking at them like the kingdom. And you feel like you have to win that game. But the problem is there's always something brighter, always something with better lights and more decorations. I recently heard that a church when I was a kid, this is my own experience, there was a church when I was a kid, the largest, and again, not naming names, it's not competition, but it's good to know. There was a church when I was a kid had a 1,000 youth kids. I knew about it because I did the maths as a young teenager, 1,000 kids, 500 of them are single Christian girls. I should start... Mez is not in, no Mez can hear me, it's all right. 500 of them are Christian single girls. I might have to go check out that youth group. That was exciting to me. That's how I know the numbers. So as a teenage boy, it's like 500 Christian single girls, maybe time to move church. <laughs> that 1,000 kids, 2,000 people, and I recently heard, and there was suspicion I'm not, that they based their agenda around these three things. Last year they stopped having a night service. They have no young people. And they've had to sell some of their land, I think, to a 7-Eleven um, to just make ends meet. Um, it just doesn't work. Churches of Christ right across Queensland with people refusing to change because they want their comfortable religious entertainment are closing their doors. That's a fact. If you build these things, you get audience. And we are not church. We are not in the entertainment building game. This is not what Jesus taught. All authority, Matthew 28, 19, we already read this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus' words. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. This side, you have to do another turn. This side we are called to make disciples. Not just converts, actually. There is the baptising in the Holy Spirit part, 
We are called to make converts. It's only half of it. It's not a call to make Christians comfortable. Certainly not. It's not a call to entertain them with religious entertainment. Certainly not. We can enjoy church. It's not a sin, but it's not the benchmark. It's not a concert or a country club. Not called to do any of that. It's not even a call to just get them to the line and quickly say a prayer and invite them into your heart. Which isn't said in the Bible, by the way, Jesus inviting into your heart. He says, follow me. Nowhere in the Bible to say, invite Jesus into your heart. It's not a call for that. It's a call to follow Jesus. It's actually a deeper, harder thing. It's a call to make apprentices. Students, mentors, teach, show. In verse 20 it says, Holy Spirit, baptism, convert them. Then it says what? Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Not just knowing the Bible, but the ways. What I talked about earlier, getting beside our young married couples. And whether you've had a failed marriage or you've been married for a long time or you've got some expertise in that, getting beside them and saying, hey, this is where I stuffed up because I'm human. Don't make my mistakes. This is where I won. (laughs) This is what worked. As a Christian, getting beside them, teaching them the ways of Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German theologian during the 1940s, had this to say about discipleship. We gave away, and this is in the 1940s, and I think it sums up, they, they call him a bit of a prophet because he had just, he didn't call himself a prophet, but he had these ways of explaining the world that was to come. He said this during uh, Hitler's uh, regime. Under that, he was actually in Germany at the time. He actually was part of an assassination attempt. Read his biography, it's fascinating, or, or part of planning it. But he said this, We gave away the word and sacraments wholesale. We baptised, confirmed and absolved a whole nation without any condition. Our humanitarian sentiment made us give that which was holy to be scornful and unbelieving. But the call to follow Jesus in the narrow way was hardly ever heard. What an amazing prophetic picture of people in the 1940s And we are the fruit of that. A cheap gospel. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about works. At that point, you reach your hand out to God and you are saved and you are redeemed. I'm talking the call is a bit heavier than just waiting it out. The response to that is a bit more effective, a bit more effort it requires after this point. People were converted No one got beside them. Talked about it this morning. I'm not just picking on marriages, I'm sorry, but just the statistics. Marriages match the secular world. People lost Jesus' ways. We lost generations. We talked about this last week. We lost people. They got converted and the stats say they went into addiction. They put their hand up at a rally and they might have stayed in church and this is the people that are here now. But then others fell away, unfortunately. The seed analogies, they got choked up by the weeds of this world. No one to defend them, no one beside them. So church, this is our call. 
is Yates Gardening Supplies. The guys that make pumpkin seeds and shovels. If they can respond, then we can too. We are not going to build Christmas trees, church. We're going to plant fruit trees with deep roots, with a process of deep reflection, with a focus on spiritual transformation in what Jesus is doing today. We're going to focus on your gifts, your call, and your mission. We're going to be a church as we were last week, on its knees, with people beside each other, on their knees together. We will actually be more important than Sunday. Sunday can be awesome, that's great. But we're going to meet, into, meet and build into each other's lives during the week as well. Disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. Building so much more than a garden, building so much more than building and a good song selection or set up of our song service. More than any of that. More than where we sit. More than a good morning tea. More than a good hour on Sunday, we're going to be building and investing into relationship. Amen? This is where we're heading, church. I've got lots of questions. What's your plans? What are you thinking of the church? This is it. It's pretty, it's broad. This is it. This is where we want to head. Build and plant fruit trees. So, not much more. Just a couple of practical ways. First steps, and then we're going to finish the service today. A couple of practical things for We're not going to solve it. It's not, here's what we do. We're solved. This is a whole thing we're going to build. A couple of things, though. Um, I want every single person here to consider this. I want you to understand that this is our church focus. If you're not on board... If you're like, oh, I'm not into that, that's okay. You're still welcome here. We love this community. But just know where we're heading. Don't be surprised if we don't focus on those three things if we focus on discipleship. Don't let it shock you. <laughs> if you are on board, then here's a couple of things. So Anne Marshall is running a discipleship group, some training on a Thursday night. I think it's every fortnight. Um, it's not to replace KYB, by the way. I had a couple of questions. I wouldn't ever go to KYB. That's fantastic. Go to KYB. You can go to both. If you can't get to KYB, go to this one. It's, it's not a replacement. She's just talking about some principles of discipleship. She's not here this morning. She runs um, nippers at the surf club. Sorry. Um, so you see my wife, Marin, or Miriam at the back doing the slides, if you'd like to be involved in that. It's a great way for women to start to look at some of the ways we can help each other be apprentices of Jesus. I'm looking at a men's discipleship group, so if that's something that interests you, come and talk to me. I'm interested in having small groups run. And I understand that all of you can get to places. I get that. We'll come to you. If you're interested in hosting a small group, interested in running a small group, or interested in attending a small group, come and talk to me. This is where we're heading. If you can't get to one, come and talk to me. We'll find a way to make sure that you're discipled or you have the ability to disciple others. And then this is my last challenge. In the next two weeks, this is our first step, find one person. Can't be someone you already have. It's a new person. Find one person and catch up with them. Spend some time with them, preferably of the same gender. Get to know them and find out a bit about their Christian walk. If you're still not sure of that, let me give you an example. We've just got about 30, possibly 40 
new people into this place? Pick one of them if you're an existing. If I can use names, can I give an example? I'm going to pick on John, sorry, John Anish. Can you just use your name? Sorry, mate. This is what it looks like. This is how practical it is. Straight after the service, before anyone goes to morning tea, John English or John English type, someone has been here at the church, is going to make a beeline for somebody and say he goes and picks on Brett Eddie, picking on Brett Eddie. He's going to go up to Brett Eddie and say, mate, in the next two weeks I'd love to grab a coffee. How long have you guys been married? 51 years. How long have you guys been married? 12. 12. And they're going to sit down and I don't know what they're going to talk about. But Brett might ask, give me some advice on how your, your marriage has lasted that long, how you create a godly marriage. Give me some advice on church and life and, and wisdom, John. And they're going to ask each other what God is saying to them and they're going to spur each other on. That's, that's what it looks like. So it doesn't have to be you two. I haven't set you guys up. <laughs> Just picking on you because I know I can. After this service, pray about it if you need to, but preferably straight after service, find someone you can meet with over the next two weeks, just once, and hear their story. Hear what God is doing. Be encouraged by what God is doing. Is that okay? So I'm not saying that's going to instantly create a discipleship culture. We've got it all solved. But what a first step to walk across the room and build so much more than a garden, Build so much more than a building. Build so much more than a program. Build a relationship that focuses on God. Let me pray. Next week, lunch, shorter service. We're going to discuss some of these things. Bring some questions. Bring some positive questions. You can bring some challenging ones as well if you want. Let me, um, let me pray and we'll sing our last song and I'll give the benediction. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that Like the video we saw, while we were still sinners, you crossed the fence. (laughs) You crossed the gap and became human and died in our place, Lord. Bridge the gap so that you could build more than a garden. You could build more than just earthly things, Lord, but you could build what you called the kingdom of God. Father, no matter where our stage of life is, no matter what we've experienced, no matter what age, I pray that we can kneel at the cross and be your apprentices. Father, I just pray that we can have the courage and boldness to put our energy and effort into building each other up and making more apprentices, Lord. Thank you that you give us the power to do this. You give us the Holy Spirit and you give us each other to spur each other on in this quest to become more like you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Let's sing our final song and then we'll finish with a benediction.